So what's the difference between a Mexican and a Hispanic? Uh, why don't a, a Mexicans simply bother to learn English? And of course, what's the difference between a Hispanic and a Latino? Come on, we know everyone's dying to ask those questions. Well, here to answer these and so many more is Gustavo Ariano. He is the columnist and creator of uh, the Ask a Mexican column, which can be read uh, every week in the OC Weekly. You can pick it up at any cool outlet in Orange County or log on to ocweekly.com. Gustavo Ariano, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Jarrett. It's great to to have you here. Our paths have crossed uh, so many times. Uh, Let's begin. um, What are the origins of of the column? It started back in November of 2004 because OC Weekly, we used to run a column called Burning Bush where we would get the conservative critics of Bush and publish their thoughts. And once the election was going to be over, we knew that we couldn't continue the column anymore. So one day my boss, Will Swaim, he's driving down Santana, the most Latino city in the United States, and he sees a billboard for the Spanish language DJ, El Piolin, the guy who really provoked all the marches here in Los Angeles. And El Piolin was wearing a Viking helmet and he had his eyes crossed like a goofball. So my boss comes back to the office and says, hey, that guy, I saw this billboard and that guy looks as if you could ask him a question about Mexicans and he could answer it. Why don't you start a column called Ask a Mexican? And I thought it was a weird idea at first, but I'm always game for anything. So I figured, okay, we'll do it one time only. We'll do it as a joke column and we'll see what the reaction that we get. So the, fir- the first column that we did was, Dear Mexican, why do, white pe- why do Mexicans call white people gringos? And my response was, Dear Gabacho, Mexicans don't call gringos gringos. Only gringos call gringos gringos. Mexicans call gringos gabachos. Now, I seem to remember the, uh, the OC Weekly had a, a special issue on, on all things Mexican. And the image that now has kind of become your, your icon, your icon <laughs> or your, your logo, like the Nike swoosh. The new Che Guevara, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like <laughs> that. Um, what, uh, graced the cover, if you will, of the OC Weekly. And the number of letters to the editor were, were just, I mean, I could only guess. Definitely. Um, what is your response to people who who don't bother to read the content uh, and understand? I don't even want to call it a parody. I think it started out a parody, and and yet with everything going on in in, in the headlines today, it's actually taken on uh, a whole new meaning, yeah. a whole new context. But the image uh, for for those listeners is of a um, uh, a, a kind of buck tooth, wide, golden tooth you know, sombrero-wearing, kind of drunken-looking Mexican. um, Wearing bandoliers, and he has a sombrero and a huge mustache. We we published that originally for our Cinco de Mayo issue in 2004, and it was called the Why We Hate Mexicans issue. And, of course, you have this gross, what it is is a gross caricature, but our response to that was this is a Mexican that has been in the mind of Americans for 150 years, and this is really, after 150 years, this is still how so much of America sees us, and as you can tell with the current immigration debate, that's still how a, a lot of Americans see Mexicans, even though we've been here, even, you know, preceding the founding of the United States, this is about the, this is about as advanced as people have seen us before, so we like to wield that as this is what you, America, this is what you, Gabachos, see us. Yes, and you're going to see this week in, week out. And rather than uh, the way we respond to it, it's very much a political statement to publish this and say, okay, even if you're going to see us this way, we're still going to be better than you. We're st- uh, we're, I'm still going, m- myself as a columnist, I'm still going to be able to respond to your questions or your allegations of idiocy amongst Mexicans, and I'm just going to flip it around and show you to be the idiot. 
Now, I want to remind listeners to tune to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Gustavo Ariano, uh, columnist for the OC Weekly and uh, the, uh, I suppose, the Mexican behind the <laughs> Ask a Mexican column. Uh, every once in a while, there seems to be a, a reader that takes issue with your credentials, which I don't understand. But um, could you maybe clarify, what is your background? What gives you one person yeah the right to speak on behalf of an entire uh nationality an entire nationality that yeah well my background is very much it's not a unique background my mother she's fourth generation orange county and uh, my great-grandfather came here to pick oranges in anaheim in 1906 and my mom herself though was born in mexico but she was a legal immigrant to this country she still barely speaks any english my dad on the other hand he was an illegal immigrant who came to this country in 1968 in the trunk of a chevy driven by uh two hippie chicks from san clemente and they drove her and three other my dad and three other men across the border they married and so you know they had me and three other uh, children and I when I started elementary school I only knew Spanish and I grew up really amongst people just like myself so those are my background I mean am I what gives me the sole authority nothing anybody could really start this column that the, I think the difference, though, is that you need somebody who's willing to take the heat, who's willing to be so political and also at the same time to be funny. It, like, I think there's a, there's a checklist of people, uh, of things that uh, somebody who wants to do a column like this has to do, and I'd argue there's very few people like that. And, I mean, especially when it comes to the flack, because you're – like, I receive, receive some very racist questions and at, at the same time some – a lot of critiques from good-meaning people, and it does – you really do need skin of steel to take that on. You know, it's interesting. No disrespect to uh, Jim Washburn or, or Commie Girl or mm-hmm. Steve Lowry or any of the other columnists from from the Weekly, but it seems that lately the uh, the columns I immediately turn to when I pick up the OC Weekly are Ask a yeah, Mexican thank you. and then uh, Savage Love. And actually, I think that the, the two – now, Savage Love is syndicated, of course, but I think there are parallels between the two. The questions that are asked – of of each are these questions that nobody would ever be able to ask in a proper context mm-hmm. because it's politically incorrect. People ask Dan Savage about you know everything you ever wanted to know about homosexuality exactly. and so on and so forth. And at the same time, uh, often Dan Savage gets criticized for not being a quote unquote you know sex therapist mm-hmm. or medical doctor and so forth. And he's saying, hey, anybody who takes everything I say at face value rather than going out there and, and finding out. But I think it's it's a good parallel. I think your your point, uh, I mean, yeah, some of the letters you get in, I'd like to go through sure. some of them, um, are incredibly, they could be construed as, as racist, mm-hmm. but I think what the column does is immediately co-opts definitely that could you talk about yeah that? that's the intent of a lot of these questions one of the cr- criticisms of the column is why do you even take these questions why are you publishing these questions and my response is this is what's on the mind of specifically and I, I think it's key to note that this column started in orange county i don't think it would have started anywhere else in the united states except orange county which has a long history 
of hating Mexicans, especially, you know, we're really ground zero for the anti-immigration debate. And so taking these questions, I really view it, again, as an indictment of the American mind, specifically the Orange County mind. And so publishing it itself is a political statement showing, look, these, this is what the people amongst you think. That said, rather than just keep that, for instance, one of my favorite questions still remains, like, what part of illegal, like, illegal don't immigrants understand? And, you know, he, that person's very much saying, oh, you see, oh, all of you people just believe in illegal immigration, that's it. And my response is, well, let's see, the Bush administration doesn't believe in illegal immigration because they're allowing all these people to come in. Big business, which wants to drive down wages, they obviously don't know the word of don't know the meaning of illegal at the same time. And then after that, just kept evolving more and more until finally I gave the most ridiculous response possible is, well, illegal immigrants don't understand uh, the word illegal because illegal is an English word and Mexicans only speak Spanish. And of course, and then to respond to that, even in and of itself, of course, Mexicans understand Spanish and or rather understand English and most of them speak English. So it's just really to show when you have these questions, it's really to show how ridiculous they are sometimes by going to uh, pretty crazy uh, stretches but at the same time, I, my, the ultimate intent is always to co-opt the question, and more importantly, when it comes to stereotypes, that explode them and implode them, really. Yeah, I, I think, that, and that there's something to humor where you know those working in activist circles lately have have spent a lot of time trying to come up with new, creative ways to reach out to opposition. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the the tactics of the 1960s just aren't going to work today. So whether we're talking about someone like. Michael Moore, or if we're talking about the Yes Men who mm -hmm. do you know such crazy things, or uh, you know even the Onion or the Daily Show, yeah. uh, I think that Ask a Mexican is is definitely uh, in that vein. Let's take a look at some of the questions, and you can actually see that you know they really some of them are just I mean incredulous. Why don't Mexicans ever go to the doctor? This seems so axiomatic, and, <laughs> and, and yet you published it. Explain. Yeah, the response is, oh, why don't Mexicans go to the doctor? And I don't know where this individual came up with. My response, oh, there was a couple of responses to that. One of them was, well, Mexicans don't have to go to the doctor. Number, And I said, you know, because we're so hardworking, we don't have the time. At the same time, though, we also have a tradition, millennia old, of curanderos, of growing our own herbs to, you know, organic. There's this obsession right now and there was another question actually a couple a months ago which was why do mexicans keep farm animals in their backyard and my response was oh yeah you know when you grow it on a farm in vermont it's called if you have animals on a farm in vermont you call it organic if you have animals in an anaheim back lot you're a wetback you know it, so things like answering those sort of questions so ridiculous but i'm going to give you a response that shows really it's okay. Like, so if Mexicans don't go to the doctors and maybe, maybe you shouldn't go to the doctor either. Maybe you should be growing your same organic herbs and having uh, folk remedies that for the most part, a lot of studies have shown are better than the remedies of today, which with these fake artificial medicines with pharmaceuticals. It's such an interesting question as well, because it, it flies in the face of all the allegations that Mexicans are, are draining our healthcare yeah. system and, and costing Californians, uh, billions of dollars exactly and then at the end of course i and then to respond to that or just you know be very sarcastic about it i said well the real and ultimately though mexicans don't go to doctors in the united states because the costs are so prohibitive and because there's already a lot of mexicans in there so they they pop you know they take up all the space that other mexicans might want to use and, and it's just it's such an interesting question um all right let, let's let's get 
down to some basics. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a Mexican and a Hispanic? Well, first of all, the term Hispanic was created, contrary to popular opinion, wasn't during the Nixon administration, but during the Gerald Ford administration. So Hispanic is very much an artificial term. Now, you could say that I have some connections with people from Colombia, from people from Spain, and so forth, but ultimately, if you ask the immigrants themselves, they're going to consider themselves specifically Mexican. And especially with the diversity in Mexicans in the United States these days, a lot of Mexicans, they don't even view that as their primary identity. Like, growing up, I always considered myself a Zacatecano, somebody from the state of Zacatecas, and since there were so many Zacatecanos here, specifically in Anaheim, I identified myself specifically where my mom was from, from this tiny little rancho in Zacatecas called El Cargadero, so that's how I identified myself. So to artificially impose something like Hispanic or even Latino for that matter, I think it's ridiculous, and I I really don't think it takes into account the provinciality that a lot of immigrants still keep. And especially here in the United States, the United States always insists on diluting its immigrants into this one mass thing, like the term white. You know, if you t- ask a Hungarian during the early part of the 20th century, you're a white person, they're like, no, I'm a Hungarian. It's funny because my students uh, t- t- love to talk about the, the whole uh, myth of the melting pot uh-huh. and, and the beauty of the melting pot yeah. and that we should strive to be a melting pot nation. And I really c- can't think of... Aside from cheese, I can't think <laughs> of any context where the word melting is something positive. Fondue, maybe. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the Wicked Witch of the West did she not melted. take pride in the fact that she melted. Uh, when, when things melt, it's usually something that's being destroyed. Exactly. It's not something, it's usually not creating something new. And the whole idea that we should all just have our differences, you know, washed away through this, this melting pot. And then, of course, there's this... The, the new expression is the toss salad, yeah. which doesn't really do the, it for me. Never made it, never made sense <laughs> for me too. I think there's a difference though between assimilation and melting pot, because melting pot exactly it, it suggests that you get rid of all your differences and you you tr- transform into this big glop of what exactly is it. Assimilation, on the other hand, you pick up what's around you. That's why you still have to this day that you know something like pizza could be such an all-American food, or uh, you know you know just different things, or even nowadays you know tacos and salsa, salsa being the number one condiment. In, you have these characteristics that are still very much now American, but that never, never melted away. They still maintained or something like hot dog, which is, you know, comes from Vienna, Austria, for crying out loud. So you all the some there's some things that still maintain force in the United States and other cultures pick them up. They don't get melt. They don't melt away. Then other things, the less important things or I guess the less lasting things, those, those, are, those are the things that are tossed aside and immigrants or, you know, new people to this country. They just pick, you know, they keep their own things and they pick up other things so then how how do you identify yourself as do you identify yourself when you're i mean yeah with gustavo but when (laughs) you're when you're trying to you know make a categorization do you define yourself as as a mexican as a latino what is the i mean because mexican is a nationality yeah so what is the ethnicity by which what I nowadays what I tell people is that I was a Mex I'm a Mexican who was born in the United States not Mexican American specifically Mexican because growing up my culture was the culture of this tiny little rancho in Zacatecas because growing up there was about it there's it was a mass migration and again my case is not extraordinary there was about a thousand people from my mom's little rancho just living in Anaheim alone. So growing up, I went to Quinceañeras. I, you know, my friends were the people all from this rancho. We picked up the characteristics of this rancho about, you know, a thou- thousands of miles away. At the same time, though, we were here in the United States. So we did go to high school, go to school, learn English and become very much American. But at our base, it was very much a Mexican culture, Mexican identity. Okay. Let's, uh, 
let's ask one of one of the questions that seems to be really prominent in the news today, and it has to do with with language mm-hmm. and, and speaking English. Uh, English has become uh, the American language <laughs> now. Is what what happened last earlier this week? Oh, they, they tried to pass. Uh, I, it was a senator from Oklahoma tried to pass a resolution saying English is the official language of the United States, and then I think it was Ken Salazar from. Colorado or a, a Latino senator or congressman who said, well, that's that's not that's too harsh. Let's just say English is a important language, a un- common and unifying language in this country. It's ridiculous that we're having this. There's always been this debate about cult about language specifically in the United States, as you can see with the protest over the Star Spangled Banner in Spanish. And I don't understand why people are so scared of another language being talked here in the United States. Languages have always been spoken here in the United States for centuries. The ethnic press were crying out loud really ask a Mexican just a continuation of the ethnic press and now the boogeyman is Spanish you know for Benjamin Franklin it was German for other people is Italian or different things like that now it's Spanish well let's let's have you uh, in fact would you mind reading the question sure. and then reading the answer because this this was the one that said I got to get this guy on the uh, program. yeah this one's funny so it was dear Mexican why don't Mexicans have enough gratitude for America to learn to speak English are they too stupid too lazy what they can't learn two or three words a day. Is this asking too much? And I made up a pseudonym for him. I always make up the pseudonym. So in this case, it was took four years of Spanish in high school because people say, oh, like I know a little bit of Spanish. I took right. I was in high school. So my response was, dear Gabacho, the United States government shares your concerns, took four years. Its Dillingham Commission released a 42-volume study on the waves of immigrants that concluded, quote, the new immigration as a class is far less intelligent than the old. Generally speaking, they are actuated in coming by different ideals, for the old immigration came to be a part of the country, while the new, in a large measure, comes with the intention of profiting, in a pecuniary way, by the superior advantages of the new world and then returning to the old country. The Dillingham Commission went on to fault the new immigrants for their lack of assimilation and English skills, constantly contrasting them with earlier generations of immigrants and urged clampdowns on immigration. Sound familiar? That's because the Dillingham Commission report appeared in 1911, and the inassimilable masses at the time were Eastern and Northern Europeans. The Dillingham Commission proves that the time-honored conservative anecdote that earlier generations of immigrants walked off the boats, chopped down their multisyllabic surnames, and learned English immediately is a bull, and then I'm not going to repeat the yes. curse word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, American racism is a carousel, and here we are again. Where do these myths come from? I mean, the you know, there there's so many of them that, you know, all the Vietnam veterans, you know, came back and were spat upon or the idea that, I mean, I, t- I talked to, to family and, and my family's pretty, pretty progressive. Yeah. And yet they, they have this belief that, you know, well, our ancestors, you know, just learned English, you know, lickety split. Where do, what happens... Uh, what happens with the United States is that we forget. We forget so fast. We're not students of our history, and history very much is circular. And, and I was reading this essay, and I can't remember where, that the American mind views history as linear, that always progressing, always progressing, but that's not how the world condition is. It's very much circular. So we forget these things. We forget that immigrants you know, came to this country. In fact, I was talking to one person, and one person insisted that immigrants learned English before coming here to the United States. And so after that, since we do forget that, then we tend to mythologize the past as opposed to what the present is. So what we have in the present is immigrants who don't know English, who are, you know, who are going through the furnaces of the, you know, the melting pot, if you want to call it that. And so they say, well, why can't these immigrants be like the immigrants of the past? Of course, in the past, they always learned English. They all wanted to be American. But then you read 
uh, accounts of the past. I mean, uh, for instance, right now, you know, I'll give myself a plug. On the June 8th issue for the OC Weekly, I'm doing a story about the 70th anniversary of the 1936 Citrus Strike. And one of the things about labor that a lot of people forget is a lot of these labor, you know, a lot of the strikers, a lot of the unions, they were all immigrant unions. A lot of these immigrants did not speak English at all. They were unionizing, uh, you know, the great uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. It dealt with a Ukrainian immigrant who, for the most part, spoke Ukrainian, and they didn't speak English for that matter. And we forget that. We forget that, and we also forget that in the past, the the same allegations that are made against immigration immigrants today were being made against those immigrants, as that Dillingham Commission uh, pointed out. We're speaking with Gustavo Ariano of the OC Weekly. He is uh, you. You wear many hats at the OC <laughs> Weekly. You um, do the food column, and uh, I'm a food editor. I'm the food editor for the paper. I'm also an investigative reporter, and I nowadays the most fame I'm getting is for the Ask a Mexican column. Let's talk about that fame a bit. What? Sure. Um, the column has been around for how long now? Uh, b- about a year and a half, since November 2004. And what kind of publicity has it been receiving? Well, the Besides, big, of course, KUCI. Exactly. <laughs> the big publicity was in February, I think February 24th, the LA Times ran a column one story on me, column one being its most prestigious column. And after that, it's just been nonstop. I've been on the Today Show. I've been on Tucker Carlson, Fox News, CNN, Nightline. Uh, there's been profiles of me on KCT's Life and Times, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, both the television segment and the radio segment, um, the column that was syndicated to Albuquerque, Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Kansas City, and other people are interested in picking it up as well. And through that, I was able to get a two-book deal. Uh, one, the first book's got to be a compilation of Ask a Mexicans with new questions thrown in. And the second book, which I, I'm, I hope I'll be on your show in the, in the next coming years, it's going to be a history of Orange County as told through my family. It, and that's a book I'm really interested about because ultimately I like asking, you know, answering questions about Mexicans, but my true passion is Orange County. And really, do, you know, we want to talk about debunking myths. The myth right now in the country is that Orange County is this uh, blonde playground for the rich. Yeah, one watches the uh, the Fox program and uh, what they call the OC, of course, is really Malibu. <laughs> but assuming it really were OC, it's it's really Newport Beach. Newport is, Beach is, and Corona del Mar. Right. And when one takes a look, I mean, what percentage? I I, I mean, I've been really involved with everything going on in Costa Mesa. And yeah. There's something like 40% of residents of Costa Mesa are Hispanic, Mexican, whatever, whatever they were. want to call themselves. Exactly. <laughs> Spanish. They're not Capachos. No, not Capachos. Right? Okay. Exactly. Um, and it's just, it's so interesting to see this, you know, for lack of a better word, this whitewashed image of Orange County. So I look forward to uh, a book that yeah. can really, you know, portray that uh, that kind of, of history. What was it like... Um, you, you mentioned uh, you were in, you were interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Yeah. What was that like? It, it was interesting because the segment before mine, and I, the way this works, like I have an earphone, so I'm able to hear what they're talking about. The segment before, Tucker was saying how nobody should speak Spanish, how only people here should speak English. So once he has me on, I respond, ¿Cómo estás, Tucker? ¿Cómo te va todo? I speak to him in Spanish. And the producers afterward told me, over there at the office, everybody started laughing because, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe he got Tucker. And then if you see the video, Tucker's face just grimaces like, I cannot believe this guy pulled you know, pulled this one on me. But then after that, I, I think he respected that. And so the rest of the interview went, went pretty smoothly. In fact, a lot of times with these conservatives, like conservatives have taken a lot of li- – have taken a liking to me more so than li- I would say progressives because I think with progressives, they're still like, uh, you know, we don't know if what he, exactly he's doing. And my response to that is just, you know, read me a couple of times and then you'll get what I'm doing. Conservatives think, all right, we have a Mexican who bashes Mexican. Let's have him on the air. Then I'm actually on the air. Then, you know, we start talking politics and they realize, well, no, I'm not going to be Mexican. 
bashing Mexicans. I'm actually bashing you guys. And then after that, they're like, oh, uh, we really don't like him anymore. Let's try to end this interview as quickly as possible. And then what was what what was the situation like with Fox News? Fox News, it was the same thing. They had me on. They thought uh, it was a, called Heartland. So it was a show. I I don't know who hosts it, but it's very much talking about Heartland issues and the real you know the real America. So it was the same thing. They had me on. They were asking me questions. And, you know, then they were started attacking my responses, but I'm pretty sharp, so I was able to counter their responses. By the end, they had a grudging respect toward me, and they said, we'll have you on, and, you know, they never have me on again, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, you, you touched upon something uh, that I think is really important. Do you think progressives or liberals or whatever, you know, label we want to affix, have we lost our sense of humor? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, what one of the things that especially when it comes to issues of race, like there's always this like uh, nervousness around it. And I think Dave Chappelle was really good. I, and a lot of progressive like Dave Chappelle, but why, you know, why Dave Chappelle is because he's throwing bombs as opposed to just like treading on the edges. He's just going out there and just throwing those bombs. And that's what I try to do, you know, in my own way, I'm not going to cons- compare myself to Chappelle for one. He's, you know, very much a live performer. I don't do these questions live. Well, I actually do it live on the air, but I'm more of a, columnist to do that but you try to have some some jokes especially when it especially when it comes to issues of race or gender or you know sexuality and you do see a lot of people like wincing as if they're afraid of offending people and i you know and my response is really look at the past look at people like richard Pryor or as i said dave Chappelle. humor is such a such a volatile but valuable weapon you know in our arsenal against you know in in our fight against uh, oppression or tyranny Especially that's what I like about the column. I do try to be humorous, and you know sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But at the same time, I'm attacking with humor, and I think people will be laughing at jokes. Oh, ha ha! This is so funny. But then, once they stop laughing, my hope is that they start thinking about what I'm talking about. Humor makes it much easier to digest what I'm trying to uh, convey to the masses. Yeah, I think people forget that the same uh, emotional response to being uncomfortable is kind of that uncomfortable laughter. Yeah is also the same kind of response to, to, to humor. Yeah. And so it's a nice way to, to blend something that's uncomfortable with something that's, that's very, you know, pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I commend you for, for doing that. We're just about out of time, so I want to wrap up with a couple questions sure. and then give, a, give out the information again on where, okay. to, where to find the column. Um, the first question is, what, would you, what is your favorite uh, letter that you received? And then the second question, if you could ask a Mexican, a question, um, or if there's a particular question that hasn't been asked yet mm-hmm. that you think should be, should be asked, asked, what would they be? Well, my favorite question still remains that what part of illegal don't Mexicans understand one because it's so ridiculous, and you hear it all the time, especially when people say, oh, we're not opposed to immigration. I like immigrants. My grandpa was an immigrant. I just, I'm just opposed to illegal immigration. So really answering that question, I was able to expose the hypocrisy of this entire debate where you, you know illegal immigration versus just legal immigration, there really is no distinction in my eyes, and the American government has never recognized that, nor has big business. The only people who do that are bigots who then try to using that then say oh i'm not a bigot it's, it's ridiculous and what's a question i mean there's so many questions that haven't been asked uh one question <laughs> this is a funny one um you know somebody has to ask me why why are there so many men in you know in mexico named jesus jesus you know why is it that in no other culture I, except maybe bulgarians where there's christo which is you know christ like why is it anybody why what is it about mexican culture that allows people to be called jesus now, 
you do research on these answers, and, and I really think that that's important. I mean, and I think that that's kind of how the tone has taken on uh, a new importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Dillingham report, I mean, you, you did research on this. This isn't just, you're not just coming up with no. ideas that are going to sound clever that are going to move move the paper. Exactly. Ideas are fun and all, especially humor is fun and all, but my re- my point in this is really to give substance. So the humor and just the you know the witty words or whatever, that's just window dressing to the meat of it. And I always do try to come up with research. I, I got my graduate degree, my master's in Latin American studies from UCLA, so I know how to do research. I'm also an investigative reporter, so I know where I need to go or just how to formulate an argument and then present it and it's and i'm also a nerd so i read a lot of things so the dillingham commission was something i've been waiting to work into the column for a long time and there's so many other i mean there's so much history to uh draw upon and i'm also a student in history so i just i love to do that and then so when people try to say oh you just have ideas you're just you know mouthing off my response is the facts are all there if you want to challenge the facts go do it but once you're going to research it you're going to realize that i'm right and then you're going to look like an idiot this station deals exclusively with nerds, so you're in, <laughs> you're in good company. Uh, do you know the answer to that question about Jesus, or is uh, that well, something? Like, yeah, no. I mean, Mary. I yeah, mean, exactly. It, it very much in Catholic culture, and specifically, and it's not just. It, it's it seems to me specifically with Italian and then Latin American Catholicism is there's a much bigger reverence for the Virgin Mary than there is for Jesus and especially when it comes to Mexico the Virgin of Guadalupe of course draws upon both Mary and Donatzin the Aztec goddess so there's very much a, rever- a reverence for the female rather as opposed to the male I mean that's just the easy response but of course you know if I do answer in a column it'll be with more humor and a little bit more facts more um, substance to what I'm able to say off the top of my head. Gustavo Ariano is the uh, columnist behind uh, Ask a Mexican. How many how many letters do you tend to get per week? Oh per my month? gosh, uh, my response to that I usually get about ten letters a week, and it I answer two questions a week every week. And if nobody ever sent me any more questions, I have enough material to last me five years. Wow. Uh, I don't it, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's called, uh, well, I hope we won't need it five years I know. from now. I'm I'm thrilled with your success. Thank you. Uh, for those who, who don't know, Gustavo doesn't just, uh, well, I'd say talk the talk. He doesn't just write about this stuff. He's actually out there in the streets living it. You you volunteer at, at uh, Cal State Fullerton. You volunteer in Santa Ana. You do a lot of great stuff. And Thank it's you. Just, it's so great to have you here. It's called Ask a Mexican. Pick up the OC Weekly, or you could log on to ocweekly.com. I promise you'll be back on this program. Absolutely. I look forward to it, Jared. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you.